You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Just like Star Trek Prodigy itself, we're not just for kids. No, it's Monday night at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, and it's time to fire up the Protostar. It must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Norman Lau. Tonight, we are thrilled to welcome one of the creative minds from Star Trek Prodigy, writer and co-producer Aaron Walke. Now, since we cover Prodigy on a different podcast, now is your chance to send us your best questions for Aaron. And a little later, we're going to meet a different kind of creative force, the kind who has been bringing Star Trek libations to your home bar. Give us a call tonight now to join our conversation. Click out the Zoom meeting link, as you know how to do, or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and our esteemed Earl of the Green Room will let you in. Or, you know, the girl green room or the Girls Earl, Green Room Earl's or something like great, that. Great, girls Green. Yeah, you know, Earl, you want you to know talk that to Earl. That you want to talk to us pretty much. All right. Well, as we do, Norman, we'd like to say hi to everybody who is in the chat, both from Facebook and YouTube and wherever else you may be commenting and connecting with us. Chris Riker right at the top saying hello. There's Scott Palm. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Uh, let's see. There's Ryan. There's David. There's Mike. Uh, of course, Captain Mike. Good to see you, sir. There's Paul Wright, P-Dub. I'm sure we'll have another Paul in the crowd. Uh, there's Jane. There's uh, Marina. Great to see you, Marina. How's it going? Uh, oh, my gosh. There's uh, Willie McCauley. Good to see you. So many people joining us for the live show. Um, now, normally, we like to keep this light and fun and entertaining, uh, which I promise we will get to. But, Norman, something just happened that we have to bring up that our listeners are chatting about right now. And that of course. is, sadly, uh, the loss of Kirstie Alley, who was the original Savick in Star Trek uh, The Wrath of Khan. And, of course, went on to do so many uh, great shows and was on Cheers for so long. Yeah. Um, and just sudden and tragic i'm i'm sorry to hear that news today yeah i did a little bit of um internet diving and uh unfortunately it sounds like she had a private battle with cancer uh that was short-lived and you know that is how cancer can take you know somebody and uh many of us have you know experienced that before uh but I think the best way right now to kind of move forward with uh, our love for Kirsty and what she has brought to our community is to embrace the legacy that she's given to us, you know, with Savick, you know, with uh, uh, Rebecca from Cheers. You no, know, she I mean, let's go all the way back to North and South, you know, where I yeah. think she may have shared a scene or two with Jonathan Frakes with when Frakes, he was all the way yeah. back there. So, yeah, yeah you know, um Remembering her memory and, again, appreciating what she has brought to us and especially with uh, the very first scene that we saw, you know, during the Kobayashi Maru and Star Trek mm -hmm. II The Wrath of Khan, it's, you know, will always be in our hearts. And I, yep. I, I think that that's the most important thing. Yep. She was fabulous. And uh, all we can say is thanks for sharing your talents with us and Godspeed, Kirstie Alley. Um, yeah. Look, I am horrible at transitions. Uh, I do want to go back to the chat here just because a couple that I missed. Tara, first timer joining us tonight on YouTube. So Tara, pleasure to see you. And uh, not a first timer, but BC saying Ala Moraine. How dare you? Again. Yeah, really? again. Again. He knows. He knows. He, does. Uh, he tasks me. 
He tasks me. Norman, uh, let's tell people what's happening in Mission Log World. I'm going to kick this off and just let people know that they should join yes, sir. Dr. Trek, Larry mm-hmm. Nemechek, at the Portal 47 Open House. Now, Larry invites all of you to join him for the annual Portal 47 free Open House. That's this Wednesday, December 7th at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. Special guest, get this, Ira Stephen Bear. What? Be inter- yeah, I know. He will be entertaining your questions. Plus, there's trivia, there's prizes to kick off the night. Get all the details at LarryNemechek.com. You don't want to miss that. And uh, Norman, what's coming up on Mission Log? Well, as you know, like this Thursday is going to be a new drop for Mission Log. So we have investigations. And I know a lot of our Mission Log fans have been waiting for this episode to drop because it, you know, (laughs) it resolves something, maybe one or two things with Tom Paris that a lot of our fans have been saying, just wait for it. Well, here it is, folks. You don't want to miss it. And we're going to get (laughs) and and we we may have some words to say about it. Yeah, we're going to get all the resolutions all at once. And then make sure you visit YouTube at Roddenberry Entertainment to catch up on all the content that we have, including uh, Mission Log Prodigy. Oh, wait, I've heard of that show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan. Mission Log Prodigy every week, you know, after a few days after the Prodigy episode drops on Thursday, uh, Ashley Robinson and I, Ashley V. Robinson or Charlene Schmidt and I, we cover those episodes and we just did our uh, review on on preludes which was amazing which was episode 16 and that is pretty much kicking off kind of like the beginning of the end of the beginning for the rest of the season of prodigy so make sure that you i know it's very vague wait is it the beginning of the end or merely the end of the beginning Yes. So, okay. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to get, our, get my Churchill correct. And, exactly. and then my friend Matt, who said, but we still have the whole middle to go. Yes. <laughs> no. so, yeah. in, in, in my most vague Vorlon Kosh-esque you know, sentiment, yes, all of that okay. is yes. And uh, you don't want to miss the, the this is the, this is the basically the, the beginning of uh, the, the momentum towards the finale. Yeah, so that's there the we best. Go. That's the best that I can say. And well, make sure uh, I don't you know. tune in. Yeah, make no. sure you tune in because my favorite part. I mean, look, I I, I love you like a brother, Norman, mm. and Ashley and Shar have both been knocking it out of the park on that show. Uh, but honestly, it's the calls from kids at the end of the show. Always, that's why you stay. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And uh, what <laughs> their insights are phenomenal. <laughs> They're great. Some of them very surprising. Yeah. Um, And then make sure then you also check us out next week on this very show, Mission Log Live. It is our last show of the season, our last show of the year. And in the uh, TOS tradition, we're having a Christmas party in the science lab. And that means that we're inviting a lot of special guests from the Mission Log family. So join us Monday night, December 12th at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. We will all be here. You will all be here. And we'll ring out the year in high style. So uh, do not miss that. And, of course, if you go to YouTube.com slash Roddenberry Prod, there you can also get Mission Log The Orville. You can get Mission Log Engage. There's just so much happening from Roddenberry Podcasts, which you can also follow at podcast.roddenberry.com to see the breadth of shows and where to connect with them. Yes, Captain Mike, Dr. Helen Noel, we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Kirk knows too. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Well, hey, look, since uh, I feel like that actually is a great segue to talk about those deep cuts in TOS, (laughs) to bring in our guest. 
because Absolutely. one mm. of the beautiful things, I mean, look, we don't get to do this really because Mission Log Live, we've been covering Lower Decks, we've been covering Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, but I think rightfully so is a good decision that we spun off Mission Log Prodigy as its own thing. So you could give that uh, a, a deeper kind of treatment than we would do here, invite on the kids to share their voicemails. So we don't really get to reflect on Prodigy on this show, but tonight we do. And tonight we get to do that with somebody who you've chatted with multiple times before. I've chatted before and I have so many questions about development, <laughs> the direction of Prodigy. Let's welcome me. You said it before, writer and co-producer of Prodigy, Aaron Waltke. Aaron, welcome, welcome, welcome to welcome. the show. Hello, hello. Uh, hello. Glad, glad to be here. Uh, live logs and proper. Yeah. Oh, man. Wait. You've, you've, you've it's, been it's difficult, that, right? Because it is yeah. difficult. I, yeah. I, I do need to apologize on behalf of the entire Star Trek Prodigy crew of introducing an even harder <laughs> hand symbol than the, the Vulcan, the fucking right. Well, because you know the whole story that, uh, like Zachary Quinto, he, he had to train his hands. They glued his fingers together so he could train to do that. And now, and look, I've been doing that since I was a kid. This, <laughs> this is going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, sorry about that. But, uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> Star Trek is nothing if it's not uh, for its aspirational endeavors. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, hey, look, let, let's get directly into that then. And let's talk about, of course, look, I, I've had very little to do at Roddenberry Podcast with uh, Prodigy. Uh, but one of the rare times that I reached out, I had to tell you that I sat there on my couch alone in my apartment, grown up adult human being that I am crying watching that episode. It was very moving for the people in our audience who maybe have not caught up on Prodigy or maybe you haven't even started Prodigy because you feel like, oh, that's the Star Trek show for kids. Let me tell you right now <laughs> that there is a lot of depth to that show, and it is definitely not just for kids. And that one was just like this loving, beautiful, emotional gut punch, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, those types of stories, I think, uh, for better or for worse, have become sort of my calling card. It's some, it's the mm. type of stories that I gravitate towards the most of ones that sort of disarm you with some heart and, and some, you know, uh, you know, some casual jokes or a little bit of fun and fanfare. And then suddenly out of nowhere, just as you say, a gut punch of emotion uh, <laughs> right. when you, after you've let your guard down. You know, um, I don't know if, if this is interesting or not, but there's this concept in storytelling called uh, bathos, and it's sort of a cousin to pathos, which is, you know, uh, evoking emotion, whereas bathos right. is like you, you're uh, trying to evoke something really dramatic uh, or highfalutin, and then suddenly you deflate it with something silly or, or surprising. And I like to do the inverse, <laughs> where you, nice. you you start with something silly and disarming, and then suddenly, oh, this actually is really profound. <laughs> Those are my favorite types of stories. Well, well let, let me ask you that then, because, I, it, uh, of course, tonight, the whole night will not just be about that one episode. And, uh, and of course, Norman has many, many insights into Prodigy doing the the lion's share of the work on, on the coverage of it that we do um but about that episode in particular is that the kind of thing you said that that's your style is that the kind of thing where 
do those emotional moments sort of unfold and reveal themselves to you as the writer or because it's hard for me to put together. It's this right combination of really love letter to Star Trek fandom Mm -hmm. Plus the deep cuts into Trek lore, Trek history, which means that there's a certain amount of academic work going on to bring a script like that to life. But then the character voices get to share these truths, these emotional moments. And, and is that just something that comes concurrently that all of those elements come together for you? Or you have this, you're struck with an emotional moment and you're like, ooh, I got to get that down on a script. What, what's the process there? Well, the process is rather organic, I would say. You know, it, it, the the Hagen ends and myself on all projects that we've worked on together. Uh, we always try to uh, be give ourselves enough of a structure as we're going into the the concept of an episode that then once we are actually breaking the story we we can find those little moments of you know what is this episode really about you know whose mm-hmm. episode is it what are those emotional kind of truths that we can kind of unearth both for our main characters but ideally you know for uh the the philosophical theme of the episode and uh, i you know for instance the end of uh all the world's a stage that was very much a uh so an uh, uh, episode that we broke in the room you know like a, a, as a team we we all sort of had uh, a basic idea of what we knew the story would be about, which is, you know, belief and the nature mm-hmm. of belief as it come as it applies to scientific inquiry and what you can accomplish as perhaps a Starfleet officer or, or as a young person in life. Um, uh, but also how that can come, you know, smashing up against imposter syndrome. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we tend to have these very, deep conversations before we even put a single uh letter or pen to page of just sort of like well how how does that affect our hero's journey but also you know how does that uh, how can that be reflected very tangibly in some interesting character moments where you can see it dramatized in real time and so you know we we started with Dal's journey in, in all the world's a stage of you know he is sort of going through a little, little bit of a, a, a questioning himself is like you know if we can't ever join Starfleet which they're wrestling with like how can we do that with this weapon aboard uh, and we're just pretending to be Starfleet or can we still be Starfleet at all and then suddenly he's confronted with these people that seem to believe wholeheartedly they're Starfleet <laughs> but obviously are not um, mm-hmm. and then ultimately I, I think we decided that it would be how interesting would it be of like it's not about the the letter of the law it's about the spirit of it it's about the spirit of starfleet and and it and once we kind of arrived at that conclusion uh i think you know for instance with with instant garifix log playing there i think that was that that was an instance of sort of three different ideas or questions that we had suddenly uh, coming together at once like Oh, this would be the perfect time for me to get across what I think Ensign Garvik sort of discovered, you know, so many years ago, which is the these people are far more than meets the eye, and that anyone, uh, the even those you may presume to be the least of us, are capable of great and wondrous things if you give them the opportunity. I'm um, so it, it really is just sort of a balance of discovery. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering, like on iTunes or any of the streaming platforms, like all of a sudden, like maybe one of their kind of like their moderators, like why is obsession like trending so hard right now? <laughs> <laughs> like out of nowhere, because if 
for anyone who uh, watched all the worlds of stage and you're not familiar with obsession, uh, the original series episode from season two, that's the episode where Ensign Garavik, you know, and a lot of history with James T. Kirk happened. Um, there's an interesting thing that's happening, Aaron, uh, in the second half of Prodigy that um, that we've been tracking, uh, Ashley and Shara and I, uh, when we're doing the podcast in the first 10 episodes. Uh, it's all about kind of like how this crew has come together and and how Dal has kind of, you know, he's he's forced himself upon his crew, you know, to be the captain. But ever since Asylum, and especially in all the worlds of stage and in Crossroads, uh, even in Let Sleeping Borgs Lie, you're feeling a lot of kind of like, and you mentioned this before, this imposter syndrome, that he's starting to question what it is to be a captain. And I think that we actually felt that all the way back in an episode that you did prior to all the worlds of stage, which was Kobayashi, where you know he actually felt like what it meant, especially with Spock's influence at the very end, what it meant to actually make the decisions of a captain. And I was wondering if that was like a big conscious decision between like, say you uh influencing kind of like the writer's room and uh in, and dan and kevin saying you know what dow's journey has to be twofold maybe even threefold where he has to be this kind of like this this cocky cocksure person like you know what doesn't take anything to be a captain all you have to do is sit in the chair <laughs> and all of a sudden he makes a decision and like oh it's a lot more than sitting in a chair and then all of a sudden like at the end of tars lamora and then now he's like you know, when he wakes up from a, a comatose state from being like, treated by, you know, um, Boone's, you know, and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, which is pretty much in Vino Veritas after being, you know, in this state. So is this the journey that's always been planned for Dal? You know, is this something that uh, has always been there since the very beginning? Yeah. I, in Prodigy, especially uh, before we uh, even brainstormed episode ideas or anything like that. The first thing we did was we went through each character and spent probably a good two weeks straight just talking through where do they start? What what's their midpoint? Where do they end up at the end of the season? Where might the end where might they end up at the end of this series? Mm -hmm. And you know, we we took very specific pains to kind of have each movement kind of be a reflection of a different stage of that journey of like, you know, Dal starts coming in with somebody, as you say, who's very sort of cocksure and, and, you know, uh, his ego is very much masking a deep seated insecurity. And part of that is just because he's never had the, the sort of, uh, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs met in such a way that he could feel okay with, uh, letting other people in and then once that those walls come down then it then it becomes a matter of well now he has the real work begins and he has to learn how to be a good person in service of others uh and, and sort of let go of some of those those uh insecurities in a way that he like unmolded clay he can be rebuilt into something uh as as uh Sarek would say the sum uh, being the greater of both of us mm -hmm. nice mm -hmm. yeah Hey, uh, we do have some callers who are standing by. Uh, Tara, we lost you, so definitely call back in when you can if your uh, connection stabilizes. Uh, but we are going to say hi to longtime listener Kim. Kim, how's it going tonight? Good to see you. Yeah, it's good. I'm actually on my work phone, so uh, forgive me if it's a little shaky. But oh, um... we won't tell anybody. Don't worry about it. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, using a work account too. So okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, this last episode was like really awesome. Uh, the music was awesome. The colors, as as always, are just spectacular. I, you know, I'm sitting here going as an adult in my uh, well beyond upper fifties, right? Kind of going, 
um, I'm enjoying this, you know, and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's designed for like seven to 14 year olds. So, um, no, I, I honestly have to say that this, this week's episode was pretty cool. Um, you know, I, uh, other than that, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, there was a lot of exposition, but yep. that was okay because they went into some of their backgrounds, which was fine. You know, I was okay with that. I, Jacob Park was kind of what I figured. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and guess, guess what? That's why he refers to himself in the third person. That's oh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. So, Jack and Pop can fix it. He can. Kim, oh, <laughs> hang on, Kim. I hate to interrupt you, but we do have a special caller who just joined us, and we want to welcome her to the show. Uh, so sorry, forgive me. Friend of the show, friend of Aaron's, friend of Norm's, friend of everybody's. It's Bonnie Gordon. Hi, Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah, oh there you no! Go. Oh, <laughs> buddy. I'm- I'm calling you from a gas station. Because <laughs> I sure am classy. <laughs> That's Wow, so cool of you to call us from a gas station. Uh, I hope you're safe on the road <laughs> coming back as you are. Yeah. For, for those who don't know, Bonnie is, of course, the voice of the USS Protostar and the Greater Federation mm-hmm. in the mid-2380s. So... Welcome aboard, Bonnie. (laughs) Red alert. Red alert. I am stuck in a gas station. Please send reinforcements. Thank you. This this is what we like. What we want to do here for it. Now, Bonnie, do you have any burning questions for Aaron? I mean, (laughs) this is your chance to talk to a co-producer writer of Star Trek Prodigy. The burning the burning questions, those are those are for a different podcast. Oh, okay, okay. We're gonna create that one. Yes. Uh Um Hi everybody. Uh, let me let me think. So so I was so excited to to like park in a parking lot in a gas station to call in that I didn't think of what questions I should ask to call in about. Really, your presence I'm sure is I can enough. Think of something. Your your I presence think I can think is of enough. Quite. Yeah, yeah. No, we're just glad that you're here. You know, that's yeah. That, I'm glad what, to be anywhere, frankly. By the way, everybody is saying hello to you. I mean, uh, Marina, Paul, other Paul, Tara, Chris, Scott Palm. I mean, with, with multiple uh, extraneous letters in your name, multiple ends there. Jane, uh, uh, Shar, everybody, they're really more excited to see you than any of us. And oh. uh, that should make you feel good. <laughs> yes. Well, that's Carlos usually the case. Very, if y'all don't hear like... from me in a couple hours, send, send troops to the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you California. We'll track your GPS. Carlos hey, yeah. says, this is the future talking from a gas station. Of course it is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Technology. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Hey, uh, very important because we we love nothing more than allowing our platform to be uh, a vehicle for shameless self-promotion. <laughs> Where can people catch you soon? Because I know you got a lot of shows coming up in the L.A. area. So anybody who is here in L.A. or near enough by to come down for a visit, I mean, we'll we'll hang out. You know, where yeah. can we catch you? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm doing a lot of uh, singing this holiday season. So you can find me on Thursday, most Thursday nights at the Illusion Magic Lounge in Santa Monica singing jazz. You can catch me at Clifton's Republic downtown uh, starting every Friday and Saturdays, starting in a few days, I, I think, uh, doing, I don't know what yet, but it involves singing <laughs> and creating my own character and backstory. So I'll get right on that. Uh, and and creating an immersive character experience. Um, uh, speaking of an immersive character experience, um, Aaron Walkie, when are you going to write an episode <laughs> about me? Yes, ooh, ooh, preludes <laughs> for the voice. Mm-hmm. That's that's what. No, just doing. me in general. Doesn't oh, just oh, <laughs> Bo- Bonnie Gordon <laughs> yeah. warps in okay. from the multiverse yeah. Yeah. into Star Trek. Exactly. Uh, it's coming. I, season three. You signed an NDA. Oh, okay. <laughs> by, the, by the way, Paul Harvath in the chat says, and appropriately so, Bonnie is an immersive character experience. And yes. that's, that's absolutely correct. Tara says, ooh, Bonnie, I assume as the voice of the computer, Bonnie versus Peanut Hamper. Ooh. Absolutely see that coming. Yeah. Absolutely. Cue the music. Right? Absolutely. Bonnie, important question. Any of these shows that you're doing coming up for the holiday season, where the will there be any of your Star Trek songs at those? You know what? For the jazz night, mm-hmm. there are no rules. Mm-hmm. I just sing what I want. So okay. absolutely. And I'm I'm setting up a tripod and I'm going to take more video and even try and stream it. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I, look, for, for a computer, I'm not very tech savvy. So, um, well, look, I know a guy. Yeah. I know a guy. So, oh, yeah. Maybe I mean, I know lots happen. of guys. Well, but if we're talking about like tech savvy. I wasn't getting ones. into your personal life. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, all, right. all right. Okay. So, John, you'll just come to the jazz night and take video for me, right? I, that's what it sounds like is happening. Okay. Uh, okay. Buddy, drive, drive safely. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Till next time. I love time. you all. I love you, Aaron. Sorry yeah. I had to crash your interview. No, I, I, I'm, you sent it off the rails in the best possible way. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. Pure chaos. Hey. And go! <laughs> all right, buddy. Take care. Bye, Bonnie. <laughs> Thanks, live long live and prosper. And proper. Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right. Cheers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so fun. That's why we do the show live, right? That's why How do I get out of here? <laughs> Let me out! Let me out! I was just at Starbase Indy with, with Bonnie, uh, and we had a wonderful time, and uh, there was some great uh, panels there. That's awesome. Uh, um, it, it, I, it, always a pleasure to see her. See, Kim, you got two for the price of the one. You called in yeah. to talk to Aaron, and then boom, Bonnie yeah. shows up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Bonnie, uh, okay, okay, so Bonnie trumps me. Just say, yeah. you know. <laughs> Bonnie is the sort of a force of nature. That's, We're all uh, one big know, happy fleet. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, I'm good. I'm <laughs> cool. But one thing I, I, I'm glad, Kim, that you, you called in and you were talking about how this episode, this last episode, Preludes, affected you in such a way. I mean, I think what the great thing is, and I think that what uh, there's a huge sentiment that's kind of sweeping across fandom right now in Star Trek, where, you know, fans of a certain age like us were saying that, okay, we know that Prodigy has been marketed a certain way. And it obviously kind of like started with an appeal in a certain way. 
But when some of uh, we of an older generation of fans are watching it, we're seeing things that are really important you know, when it comes to what Star Trek means. You know, when there's there's this emphasis on, you know, really good moral storytelling. There's this emphasis on, you know, really strong characters and characters that we want to grow with and fall in love with. And, you know, when when we're invested in them, you know, their their joy becomes our joy and their hardship becomes our hardship. And when you're shedding tears, as John said earlier, about characters in a in a show that and especially animated characters you know that the character development has told the story that it needs to tell and i think that's the most important thing whether it's animated and, or 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 whether it's marketed towards an audience of you know um ya14 to you know 50 60 older mm-hmm. you know uh year old fans that's that's great storytelling. That's just the bottom line. It's just storytelling that means something is very important to all of us. It's, it's, it, it connects. And I, I think that that's something that maybe people didn't really understand about Prodigy at first. That's, I mean, Kim, you, you've brought up something that I think is really important to figuring out Prodigy and how that fits into all of these Star Trek shows because we have this blessing of so many Star Trek shows and more to come, obviously. Um, Aaron, what is that conversation like among writers and producers on Prodigy, where you're saying to yourselves, okay, this is a show that is aimed at children within a certain age bracket, but we know that we're also writing this show for somebody in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond who grew up with Star Trek and also wants to get something out of this. Like, How do you square that, or does it just kind of come naturally? Well, I think that our process, and I'm speaking for the, on behalf of the whole writer's room at this point, you know, uh, and also with the Hagemans, all the shows we've worked on together, we've always approached it not from saying, you know, it's an animated show for children. We've always said, you know, it's a show for everyone. Um, we always kind of harken back to um, a lot of the what's called four quadrant storytelling, which I know has a totally different meaning in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's for young and old men and women, everyone in between. Uh, and it's the sort of storytelling that you saw in the 80s with, you know, Amblin, Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, those those movies where, you know, you could go with your little sister and your dad and your grandfather and everyone would walk out of that theater having just seen Jurassic Park and gotten something out of it, you know, either the the emotional through lines or the excitement or the scary moments with the Velociraptor in the kitchen. There was always something that that kind of gave a, a, a chance for connection between all the different generations and and a story that kind of transcends age or or race or boundary. And you know, I, I, did did we achieve that? I don't know, but it, that's something we always strive for. Um, and you know, the other simplified rule is just we want to make a show that we ourselves would enjoy watching. So, so that's always right. been our approach. Right. Thank you, uh, Kim. We've uh, got to jump to the break. It is the bottom of the hour. So, uh, any parting thoughts or uh, questions before we say goodbye? Oh, uh, I guess my only parting thought is is that uh, my two year old grandchild still isn't mature enough to really watch prodigy i tried to introduce her to it when it aired originally the first the well the first half of the first season Mm -hmm. uh whatever you want to call it (laughs) and she literally had some trouble with some of that so 
I've backed off, but uh, I look forward to sharing it with her when she's a little older. But perfect. That's all I can say. <laughs> She'll get that's awesome. Full. Yeah. Oh, once she starts uh, gravitating towards Murph, then you know she's ready to yes. start watching the yeah, show. There you go. <laughs> yes, Murph. Although I got to say about Murph, I'm not so sure I like his change. I liked him better the other way. Oh. And I still, I still want one of those plushies. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? Yeah, right. Well, you know, way. Ch- change is a part of life, as uh, yeah. to summarize. <laughs> there we are. True, true, true. Yeah. yeah okay. Excellent. Right. Hey, Kim, thanks for calling. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Take care. Right. Live logs you and too. proper. Yes. Yeah, we're we're doing that all night. That's, that's going to yeah. be tough. Maybe I'll get good at it finally. Got to yeah. practice that. Got to practice that. Hey, yeah. uh, some, here we go. Here, here's your transition, Norm. Mm-hmm. Something I am good at is you are. Uh, cracking open a bottle of wine. <laughs> 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 All right. So apologies to our guest and uh, to anyone who is tired of hearing me and Norm talk about wine. But we have welcomed uh, back to the show Craig, Craig Spurrier from Star Trek Wines. Last week he was here or week before he was talking about uh, Star Trek spirits. Those are, uh, well, I, I guess you can explain it to us. Same company, but different brands doing different products. And tonight, we're talking a little bit about Star Trek wine. So, Craig, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Hey, Craig. Hey, so I'm going to show off here just a little bit. Um, So, yes, that is the Klingon blood wine in my hands. I got to try this in Vegas, and let me tell you, it was spicy and lovely, and I was immediately thinking about all the foods that that would pair nicely with. And truly, the most beautiful bottle of wine is the Canar, here it really is holding up that yeah norman and i both covet now you've already knocked through your canar and used this as a decanter which that is, is yes it's awesome it's, the bottles are the gifts that keep on giving believe yeah. me yeah but craig that really comes down to the question of what you guys do at star trek wines to marry now is that is that saurian brandy oh uh, wait <laughs> is saurian brandy coming that's really the Ooh. question yeah. that's the big question sure yeah. it, it's, it's it is in the uh the, pipe, the pipeline, put it that way. Okay. It's our experience. <laughs> there we're, we go. Uh, we're working on uh, some good things for that. So Nice. Nice. Well, here's the question really about the wines, because we do want to encourage everybody to go over to StarTrekWines.com. Check out the collection there. There's so many options at this point. And uh, I will let you know now that if you add that metal United Federation of Planets medallion to your order, and then you type in the code Roddenberry, the price on that medallion. Ooh, and Ooh. Craig's holding up. Ooh, talk to us, Craig. There it and is. Then, yeah, switch over to you. Sure. So this, uh, we're offering this medallion. Uh, it's a fifteen dollar value. Uh, just like John said, add it to your cart and use the coupon code Roddenberry, um, and then we'll ship this out with your order for free for no charge. So it's pretty great. It has yeah. an adhesive back, so you can stick it on your your reusable drink or anything that uh, you you want to drink out of um, any drinking vessel. So So I can make a Federation coffee mug. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. Nice. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Craig, here's the thing that I want to ask you about. And I I know that you and your team, you've put such great care and work into doing things like recreating the Canara bottle. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, doing the uh, Romulan ale bottles, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about marrying the product quality 
with the prop value of what you've created. Because I, I think anybody who just saw this on a shelf would be like, oh yeah, I want that prop. But part of your goal is to make something that is good that we will want to drink and we will want to share with friends. Right, yeah. So our wine selection uh, is very important and we we want to marry the wine quality with the the quality that you see in the bottles that we do produce. Each bottle... <laughs> We produce such as this um, Ryzen Rosé, which we're, we will we're be shipping out this yeah. week. Um, it takes us about a year to develop, um, especially with the decorative topper here. But the wine quality, we um, our winemaker Andrew Nelson just got awarded top forty under forty from wine enthusiasts as uh, a top tastemaker. So we definitely over deliver or try to over deliver on the wine quality. Um, and I, I think it based on the comments where we get uh, on the reviews of the wine, uh, people are agreeing that we're not just slapping labels on, on cheap juice. Uh, we really, really do pay attention to uh, the quality and source it from uh, the, the top regions um, that are, are, are available to us, such such as this uh, this new uh, Picard version of the Ryzen wine, which is a uh, nice Sauvignon Blanc out of North Coast California. Um, great drinking wine, um, and and again, you um, thanks for bringing that up. That we really focus on the wine quality. Well, and, and what I also love is, you know, you focus on the wine quality, but you just showed off those two Ryzen bottles. And Howard, also part of your team, you were both telling me that you polled fans and said, okay, what do you want? Do you want the Enterprise version of the Ryzen bottle? Do you want the Picard version of the Ryzen bottle? Fans were split, and you were like, all right, we're doing both. Right. <laughs> so so there's really an interactivity and and listening to what fans want to make it great, to make it uh, truly a product that you want on your shelf. Um, okay. And we'll enjoy drinking too, you know. Exactly. And then along with the two Ryzen bottles, we, okay. we're going to be shipping out the new 2401 uh, Chateau Picard. Ooh, that's the one. There we go. That's got that silver label and that kind of that dipped uh, black top. Yeah. It's got a um, metal, a, aluminum metal uh, label uh, that you see on the Picard season two, as well as the um, decorative show top, uh, show prop topper, yeah. uh, which is a silicone reusable topper. Um, but it, it's an exact show prop replica uh, that we saw in, in Picard season two. By the by, the way, hilariously in the chat, uh, Chris Riker just said, "How about some triple triple sack?" sack. <laughs> well done, <laughs> nice, well played, Chris, well played. Yeah. And uh, Tara says, "Wine suggestion: mini bottles for tasting gifts." Um, I don't know how realistic that is, but I, I will just jump in here and say, hey, Tara, come to one of the conventions where we're all appearing together. And we had some amazing tastings in Vegas. Might be doing that again on the cruise. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, Craig, something you just pointed out, that amazing Picard bottle. There's also the Strange New Worlds version of Chateau Picard 2221. Correct. Yeah. 2221 vintage that you saw in Captain Pike's uh, quarters when he was having the crew over for, for dinner. Um, 
which was unique because it wasn't made by the the dinner wasn't made by the replicator. They were all making dinner themselves, which is yes. nice to see. Yeah. Um, so they they were serving the twenty two twenty one vintage uh, on that that episode. And now we can get that from StarTrekWines.com, which is also, by the way, Tara says, I will be on the cruise. How long will my bottle of Canar and Andorian ale last unopened? <laughs> Not long. Not long. Not long no. at all. <laughs> so, but we, we do include the decorative topper. So uh, like Norman has, you can you reuse it as a decanter um, nice. for the Canar. Nice. And mm-hmm. most of the bottles we have, especially the new Ryzen bottles are the same. We... Um, Ship it out with a uh, a nice Venus seal glass enclosure, and then include the decorative topper um, alongside, so you can reuse the bottles after you open them. Excellent, Craig. I cannot thank you enough. Cannot thank uh, the whole team enough for supporting us. And of course, you know Norman and I like to talk about products we believe in, and this is certainly <laughs> a range of products that we believe in. Oh, we believe in them wholeheartedly. <laughs> we, we sure believe do. Me. Yeah. Um, and we want to thank the Star Trek fandom for supporting us and allowing us to do crazy great bottles like this. Because without you know the fan support and and purchasing our our products, we wouldn't be able to do things like Surian brandy or Romulan, <gasps> Romulan ale or. You mean uh, this? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> A little Romulan rye. Yeah. Exactly. So um, we, we love it and we love doing it. And um, we'll, hopefully we'll, we're going to keep going with uh, replicating as much as we can. So. Excellent. Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much. And uh, I believe we have a special guest who is joining us next week to talk about the science of some of this stuff. So that's a little tease for everybody. Uh, we'll be in touch and uh, we'll see you again. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. Take care. And proper. Have a good one. All right, everybody. So you know the score. You see it on the screen right now. Go to StarTrekWines.com and use our code Roddenberry after you add that medallion to your card. And magically, that price will just it will disappear. You will not be paying for that medallion. Uh, Order yourself some Chateau Picard. Order yourself, yes, Char. Klingon blood wine does exist. It it really does, and it is tasty. Order some Canard, get whatever you like. There's so many to choose from. And thank you again to StarTrekWines.com for sponsoring us. We are grateful. Thank you, Aaron, for sitting through our uh, our (laughs) advertorial, as I like to say. But I was watching Aaron's eyes. He's like, ooh, those Rysian wine toppers are quite nice. No, I love whiskey. Uh, and so mm. as soon as the, you know, I saw they were offering Romulan ale, I was like, mm, uh, Roddenberry uh, code. I'll yeah. Type that in. Hey, I'll, yeah. I'll send you the video that uh, Norman and I did doing a proper tasting because Norman knows his stuff. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, can't, can't wait. It is not bad at all. Uh, one of um, our pals, John, he, uh, <gasps> there was a wonderful note in the chat. You suck, Norm. I know. Well, <laughs> I, I've heard that before many times. <laughs> Wait, that's the other Paul. Wait, we, yeah, we, we got, we Paul. got, we got good Paul here. We, we got, uh, Mary Universe Paul in the chat. <laughs> I, I don't know what this Paul's going to say. I don't, it, it's, it varies from one Paul to the other. You never so. know. You never know. Yeah. Paul, welcome to the uh, show. How's it going tonight? Greetings, gentlemen. Greetings. Uh, nothing like Mission Log yeah. to bring together the you know uh, person who's running the child show of Star Trek, and then f- 
along with the spirits. <laughs> they, they go together more than you would think. You uh, so, you know, um, Aaron, it's a pleasure to see you again. We I, we saw you a few days ago in Indianapolis at the, um, of all places, the yes. bar. And then the Klingon bar, uh, where we were mulling over some of their spirits. Um, it, I, I got to ask you, when you go to conventions, which are generally populated with, um, you know, adults who can afford these kind of things how many children do you run into and or what is the response from the adults to your show do they do are you are you getting um I, i'm just curious as to what you hear out there well you know uh, i've i went to mission chicago and i went to our base where we where we chatted and in both occasions, I saw some, and the the response from them was always really overwhelmingly positive, and it just sort of brought a tear to my eye because you know it, it's a, it's sort of a harrowing prospect to think that the show that I'm involved in making might be their next generation, it might be their TOS, it might be their gateway into all these other incredible series that we all know and love so much. Um, so it's always been really quite a, a wonderful experience. Uh, most recently, I, you know, at Starbase Indy, I was doing a panel and we opened it up Q and A, and a girl in the in in the front row was like, you know, tell me something I don't know about Murph. And so I started to tell her that, uh, you know, his transformation was based on uh, axolotl, you know, uh, transformations that happen only in certain circumstances. And she cut me off and was like, uh, that only happens in captivity. And I'm like, wow, amazing, <laughs> a little scientist in the making. So like they're the kids are out there and they're way smarter than you would ever think. Um, and, you know, as far as the uh, the adult response, uh, as I said before, we made the show for. For everybody, uh, not, not just for kids, not just for parents watching their kids and it really has response that we've been getting uh from even adults who uh sort of came to me and said uh, or, or tweeted at me or or tweeted the hashtag and said you know i was wrong you know i'm paying my mea culpas this show is fantastic i wrote it off as just being a kid's show and now i i see it's it's just some phenomenal trick and that is deeply gratifying because everybody who worked on the show uh are huge star trek fans and all we want to do is tell wonderful stories that might you know, spark the imagination of, of the next generation. And I think that when when we started doing the first couple of episodes for Mission Log Prodigy, you know, we, we as Star Trek fans, you know, we want to keep that open mind and kind of like watch it unfold, you know, as as it happened. And sure, the first maybe, you know, 20-ish minutes of Lost and Found, you know, there was a, there was a certain kind of parallel that could be, that could have been drawn between, say, Star Wars Rebels, you know, and, um, and that episode, just because of the animation quality, and there's, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but there's, there's this kind of like this, um, this, this obviousness of uh, animation styles, you know, that's happening between these two series. But that's just all on the surface. You're you're dealing with kind of like the, the surface aspect of what you're watching, and then you start getting into the character motivations when. When you see the protostar for the first time, when Dal and Rock talk, you know, when they finally come together, see the protostar, then finally get the communicator and activate Janeway, the entire tone of that series changes. The the shift is monumental. And then you start getting invested in their stories, you know, and sure, uh, 
are they children on this ship? Yes. But are the lessons that are being learned through Janeway and through their trials and tribulations, are they Star Trek to the core? Absolutely. Right. You know, I think the greatest thing that I've learned and Ashley has learned and Shara's learned, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak for them. What we've observed in this podcast and in the, in the show so far, and what we've talked about on the podcast is that this show treats children like mature, intelligent people that they are. Right. You know, they don't speak this. This series does not speak down to children. You know, it it allow, it punches up, you know, for children and it speaks for them. And it speaks in a voice that allows children like this person who asked you about Murph and then had this specific detail about, you know, evolution. It allows them to be that person, you know, instead mm-hmm. of like, oh, look, pretty colors. And I'm sure that there's a lot of them, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't. um it doesn't limit children's expectations. And I think that's no. the best thing. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was the kid who stayed up late at night under the covers thinking long and hard about like, well, if, if Data's head was left in a cave 500 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> and then they just put it back on, does that mean his head is 500 years older than the rest of them? Like, you know, I think for children and adults and teenagers and everyone in between, you know, the stories are stories. And we always just wanted to tell a good story. And I think that's kind of the key to all of it is, you know, sure, there might be a few specific bits of techno babble or references to quantum mechanics that might fly over a child's head, but they understand the gist of it. And whenever people say, you know, oh, isn't uh, Star Trek Prodigy, you know, oh, that episode that's referencing the Galileo, would, would a kid even get anything out of that episode? I just point to your podcast because mm-hmm. at the end of it, all I hear is five, six, seven voicemails from kids who get exactly what we were going for. And, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it it lifts my spirits every time because I was the, I was one of those kids when I was young uh, that, that watched the shows and the movies that maybe I was told were too complex for me or too philosophical or whatever, and I just absorbed it by osmosis. And th- and now here I am <laughs> as a nearly 40-year-old man uh, talking on a podcast about how much I love making Star Trek. So, I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where uh, can, you shouldn't underestimate uh, young people because the, they're going to be taking over the world. Mm. Well, I, I think that speaks to the whole process and and the whole fandom of star trek i mean for myself yeah being three four five years old watching tos a show that was a show made by and for adults but was accessible enough that i as a child could watch it and appreciate it on some level i liked the adventure i liked the the sci-fi trappings of it and then over time develop into studying the morals, meanings, messages, trying to figure out what that show is trying to say. And I think Prodigy hits that sweet spot as well, where you can watch it and appreciate it for the the flash and action that it has. But then, like you just said, you, you hear from a, a five-year-old on the calls on Mission Log Prodigy saying, here's what I learned. And it, it's it's fantastic to hear that. And it's correct. <laughs> it is correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, wait, spoiler, uh, listen to tomorrow's show. <laughs> I'm curious what you think about what are the callers at the end of tomorrow's show. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. We'll, we'll see. But Chris Riker says that kids can name every dinosaur. They get the stuff early, so you better mm-hmm. make it as plausible and as scientific as possible. And you said, Aaron, like, yeah. kids may not get, like, the quantum mechanics aspect of it, but you know what? Most adults won't either. So, <laughs> right? Right? Oh, wait, except for Paul, Paul Harvath. Harvath does. Paul Harvath raising his hand. You get it. 
So, so Aaron, you know, I'm just thinking of you in, in the driver's seat of this thing. And, and we, we've recently had another guest and I, and I, and I'm trying to imagine your email box and, and here's your email title. It says about this show. Are you more terrified by one from Aaron McDonald or from Bonnie Gordon? <laughs> I'm, I'm usually not terrified by either because, and this is not me tooting my own horn, but usually Dr. Aaron and Bonnie both just come at me with, with praise and how much they love Aww. it. So, nice. You know, I, 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 I don't, maybe I'm just uh, lucky in that I haven't gotten my science so far off the map that Dr. Aaron has come at me saying, you can't do that. Uh, she always, if there's ever, if there's one thing that, that she sometimes does ask us to change is use the word quantum less. And I'm like, that's Star Trek. That's not me. Star Trek uses the word quantum. <laughs> oh, that's great. Nice. That's so funny. Paul, any other uh, thoughts or questions? Well, I, I just want to end with this. I know Norman, uh, Norman's passion for this show is amazing, and Aaron, yours is too. Um, it, it's just obvious you're having fun. Keep it up, brother, and we'll look forward to uh, – I'm, I'm a bit behind on it. I'm going to catch up here as we go forward. Uh, we got to the middle of that first season, and there's just so much going on with uh, COVID and everything. We, we had to sparse, parse out what we were watching, but I'm looking forward to catching up and uh, – Great honor talking to you here tonight, sir. Thank you. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, Paul, thanks so much. Till next time, all right? Thanks, Paul. Bye. Take care. Um, it, since this seems to be, you know, obviously Mission Log Live is a show that also is geared toward adults, <laughs> not not like Mission Log Prodigy. But uh, I, I'm thinking about this and wondering, because this has been a theme uh, about making Prodigy effectively reach both audiences, something that parents can watch with their kids or just, you know, adult Star Trek fans can watch and get something out of. Um, I wondered from kind of the opposite angle, last few episodes that I've watched, the exposition has really kicked into overdrive. Um, do you feel like when you get to an episode like that, so by contrast, you take something like All the World's a Stage. Nice standalone episode. We understand beginning, middle to end what's happening there within that self-contained episode. But then you get to these last couple and really was laying out all this exposition about where we've come from and potentially where we're going. Do you feel at any point when you're doing an episode like that, like, oh man, how are we going to present this in a way that our youngest audience is going to get? Because I can tell you that as somebody who is not in the youngest demographic of your audience, I had to watch it three times. And <laughs> they're mentally take notes like, oh, okay, that was then, then this is now. And they're referring to that. Um, or do you just say, you know what? We respect our audience's intelligence. They're going to get it on some level or another. Let's just run with it. <clears throat> Well, I find when it comes to exposition, well, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but I, whenever I get to like an exposition scene in a movie, that's those are the parts where I lean in because I'm always fascinated by, okay, you know, you've, you've had your wish fulfillment and your fantastical adventure and fun, but how are you going to explain this? <laughs> and, and that's the stuff that always thrills me. And I always was thrilled by it. Even as a kid, you know, I would sit on the playground and we would just argue endlessly over how the T-1000 <laughs> works and whether it could beat a predator. <laughs> you know? um, can it? And- wait, wait, can it? Uh, I think it depends on uh, whether the the T-1000 uh, is on a planet that has molten metal. Uh, mm, but okay. anyway, okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, 
But yeah, so like in terms of how to lay it out, I think we always I I have a bad habit of just lay like I I would write a whole thing in the do in the world. But um when it comes to um you know in in prodigy especially Sometimes we'll write the the dense version, and then we'll we'll sort of like almost like a bonsai tree. We'll prune it down mm. and simplify it, and see where we can use one word where three words, uh, what one will where one word will do instead of three, mm. and you know try to find spots where it, just distilling it down to its essence, and but also making sure that the internal logic is there, and you know those key phrases that are alluding to other Star Trek concepts or episodes or what have you, so that for the people like me who want to do those deep dives into lore, it's there, and they can say, "Oh, this is connecting to Endgame. Oh, this is connecting to all the uh, to you know trials and tribulations, whatever." Um, and so, yeah. I, I, and I, I think that we realized that some of our favorite episodes of Star Trek were these sort of just people on a ship hanging out or working out their feelings type of episodes. And we hadn't had the chance to really do that yet, which is why, you know, when it came to the this the, the sort of story time aspect of preludes, we were like, you know what, this might it's it'll be a little experimental. It's a bit of a risk, but I think that people might actually genuinely appreciate it. And, you know, I, I know Dan Hageman especially was worried about that episode of the, of that, you know, that we were sort of taking a big swing. Uh, and thankfully, the the response has been people it, it absolutely loved it. You know, they they re, they responded to all those individual stories. It it deepened your understanding of the characters It answered questions you may have had floating in the back of your mind, but did it in a way that was character forward and character first. And I think that's kind of the key to when you're approaching any sort of concept like that even if it's not just exposition or you know it could also be techno babble there's a reason why they always ha- say the crazy part first and they say oh you mean like putting too much air in a balloon yeah. <laughs> <That's> a <quote. laughs> um, yeah i'm gonna search and the thing is the great thing about preludes and and um i'm gonna spoil you know my own podcast you know for a second but it i believe that it was time just right because we have this is um episode five uh, going into like the last or I should say episode six going into the last four episodes that's going to finish out the season and you have to almost have this pause where everyone takes a deep breath and just learn something about everything that they need to know before they get to the end because you know we're you're we're getting into again like probably like the most condensed version of this this back half of the season and there's going to be a lot that has to be explained, but it has to start from somewhere. And it just doesn't start from preludes. I mean, Rock Talks, you know, you know, kind of like her association with Nutrigu, it goes all the way back to like the, the second or third episode where that's the only thing that she knew to get from the replicator. And now this just even deepens that heartbreak because the only thing that she knows about Nutrigu and the applause is based on how she was abused when she was, you know, younger, you know, before Tars Lamora. So we're learning so many things, but I think it's because we need to know these many things in order to get to the next stage of wherever we're going with the story. 
Yeah, I, I think we wanted to sort of clear to clear the deck, so to speak, and give yeah. people enough that that they could latch on to they, that they wouldn't be wondering as much about like, well, what about who those characters were beforehand? And so we were like, what if we just kind of address it head on? And you know, the, and one of the themes of that episode is like, you know, the the past is prologue, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, what's more important is where we go, uh, you know, from here on out. Uh, and to build a brighter future together, which, you know, how can you get more Star Trek than that? That's what Gwen said. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, by the way, Tara in the chat says, curious, who chose that particular Chopin prelude? Chopin requested that it be played at his funeral. Um, I don't re- recall specifically, but I do remember very early on we we did want to do a prelude of some sort uh, that you know both to evoke the name of the the episode and and just to sort of set the tone of that kind of meditative quality that this episode was going to be venturing into as as Janeway kind of you know explored the backstories of the characters and the characters themselves kind of dove into their uh, you know it was we just wanted to have it immediately right off the bat give you a sense of a change of pace that this is sort of a reflective kind of meditative mood different from the action-packed ones that maybe you've seen in the last couple uh we the the short answer is we didn't we we felt like we'd given the audience a heart attack enough that we wanted to give them a chance to kind of breathe before moving into the 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 grand finale so to speak got it got it. by the way david diggs uh, casting him as a voice actor is inspired. Tyses is so amazing. I I hope we get to see more of Tyses later on. Yeah, we we love that character a lot, and we were absolutely thrilled when David uh, agreed to be part of the show. Um, and uh, yeah, you this isn't the last you've seen of, of Tyses, that's for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, now I know that we can't get into spoilers here, and of course we've got what three more episodes in four from season? here. Four from here, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seventeen, eight. Yeah, okay. So four more to go. Uh, are you in production on season two? Like, where where do things stand? Where you yes, know, but, okay. So, yeah, I think. We've uh, we've announced we have forty episodes in that uh, that are ordered in our various stages of production, uh, and so as of now we have the next twenty episodes written and storyboarded, and uh, you know now we're just embarking the ongoing arduous process of actually making the show. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's it, it you know it, it's one of those things where you, you just keep the plate spinning, and then eventually uh, magic comes out the other end, right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, thanks to everybody who is listening to us. And maybe you're in that portion of our audience who hasn't caught up on Prodigy, hasn't started it yet. I really encourage you to do so. It it is uh, it's such a joy each of those episodes to find the Star Trek in it. And that is something that Aaron, you and the rest of the team have done. I mean, you said it yourself, you're all big fans and you're just creating great Star Trek intended for kids or adults or anybody who happens to find it. So thank you for all the work on that. And I hope we get to talk to you again. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's been really fun seeing the audience reactions. I think uh, Ryan Britt, who is the author of a great book called Set Phasers to Stun, uh, said it best that our show is sort of like a magic trick where, you know, at first you presume it's one thing and then by the end of it, it's the trekkiest trek that ever trekked. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, I hope I hope uh, more people come along for the journey and enjoy what we have because uh, I'm very proud of it and I've been very touched by the response. and. It's it's great stuff. I hope you enjoy. Well, not only are are you proud of it and we're proud of it, but it seems that the Emmy uh, are yes. uh, the Emmys are proud of it. So, could you tell us just a little bit about that very quickly? Yeah. Uh, so we were nominated for uh, best animated series, and that's that is this Sunday. Uh, you can watch it on the Emmys app. I think you just re- you uh, sign up for a free registry, and then then you watch there. Or I think it's like Watch Emmys TV, something like that. Uh, and yeah, it's this Sunday. Uh, LeVar Burton is also going to be there. He's getting a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. It's the Children's and Family Emmys. Uh, and then there's also some juried awards that, uh, that they'll be giving out too that, you know, who knows? So, uh, check it out. Fingers crossed. Uh, uh but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the big one. Be- yeah. <laughs> Best animated right. series is can't really get bigger than that one. Cool. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah, congratulations. We'll we'll definitely be watching. And uh, uh, just very quickly, a few last comments here as we say goodnight. Uh, First of all, calls for more Jellico. Uh, uh, (laughs) Definitely seeing that. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. uh, Kim saying the music is awesome. Yes, it is. Go back and listen to Norm's interview with Nami uh, because that was excellent it is so good great show the story continues and thanks to aaron john and norman uh thank you everybody for all of these great comments and with that mission log live is produced by roddenberry entertainment technical production on mission log and mission log live by the inexorable earl green be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from roddenberry podcast if you'd like to support mission log directly give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log thank you to everyone who joined us live or later we look forward to chatting with you again next week this is a roddenberry podcast for more great podcasts visit podcast.roddenberry.com